0: Hello, and welcome to the MIT Press Podcast. My name is Chris Gondek, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Paul H. Patterson, the author of Infectious Behavior, Brain Immune Connections in Autism, Schizophrenia, and Depression. Paul H. Patterson, a developmental neurobiologist, is Anne P. and Benjamin R. Biagini Professor of Biological Sciences at the California Institute of Technology, and a research professor of Neurological Surgery at the University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine. He is the co-author, with Alan Brown, of The Origins of Schizophrenia. Dr. Paul Patterson, thanks so much for being on the MIT Press podcast today. My pleasure. This book is an exploration of the relationship between the immune system and psychiatric conditions. Do we know when medicine first began to suspect that there was a relationship there?
1: Um, Well, there's uh, history going back to probably the late 1800s, early 1900s. The one that I emphasize in the book is uh, the work of Julius Wagner-Ureg, who was working in Vienna in the late 1800s. He actually ended up getting Nobel Prize in 1927 for his work, which has been termed um, pyrotherapy or fever therapy. He found, he noticed that uh, in his uh, treatment of um, people who had hallucinations or mania or depression or paranoia, various psychotic conditions, that they're Uh, symptoms seem to improve when they're sick with an infection. So he had the idea that why not give people in such conditions um, an infection to give them a fever on purpose. So he treated patients who had something that in those days was termed dementia paralytica. He treated them with malaria, actually infected them with malaria, so they uh, came down with this disease and um, <clears throat> he reported that uh, a fair number of them in one small study, seven out of ten, improved uh, <clears throat> their symptoms during the, the time that they were infected. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, um, one actually got much worse and one actually died out of ten uh, in this study. So it was a really crude experiment. It didn't have a control group that was injected with some uh, non-infected samples. But on the other hand, it was a major uh, event in uh, the history of psychiatry because it uh, helped demonstrate the link between uh, a physical kind of treatment, which nowadays we take for granted, um, a physical treatment and a mental um, disorder. It also uh, helped establish this mind-body connection and also the uh, brain-immune connection. It raised the possibility that uh, altering the immune status could affect psychotic symptoms, at least temporarily, and perhaps the, uh, the becoming sick uh, changed the immune balance towards... Uh, Uh, normality. There's a a similar type of observation that's been done in the last couple years in autism, a small study again, um, suggesting that when kids with autism become sick and have a fever, that some of their symptoms improve, uh, at least temporarily. So, again, it raises the idea that uh, if one could manipulate the immune system more and more sophisticated way, maybe one could um, treat symptoms of uh, mental disorders.
0: As flu season's coming up. You talk about that there's a discussion the immunological response to the flu virus creates a kind of sickness behavior. Apparently, this can be separated from the other symptoms of the disease. So what I thought was just when I would go through it, just something, oh, well, I'm just sick, that, that this Response, and I'm curious if you can clear it up, is actually somewhat related to depression. Could you talk a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, there are symptoms in common between uh, uh, sickness, the behavior that we exhibit when we're sick, and depression. Uh, certainly everybody recognizes let- lethargy, as you say, social withdrawal, disturbed sleep patterns, <clears throat> in many cases, lack of self care like grooming. These are seen in both major depression, and in sickness behavior. And it's of interest in that context that uh, cytokines are increased in both uh, conditions. Cytokines are small proteins that are produced by immune cells. They're, they they uh, mediate communication between immune cells. Um, <clears throat> they're also used in the brain for communication between uh, nerve cells. So cytokines go up when when we're sick in the blood, and they go up uh, in major depressive disorder. And animal experiments have shown that um, the cytokines that are increased during sickness actually can bind to peripheral nerves, nerves out in the uh, body as in the abdominal cavity and so on, like the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve then transmits some electrical information into the brain. And amazingly, the, uh, this results in cytokines going up inside the brain. And experiments have shown that this increase in cytokines inside the brain actually modifies behavior and modifies behavior in such a way that it causes um, the symptoms of sickness behavior, that is, disturbed sleep and lethargy and Uh, so on. So cytokines, at least, are one mechanism that's in common between major depressive disorder and sickness behavior.
0: Let's talk about the maternal impact, uh, because a large part of the book really talks about uh, the links between immunological diseases of an expectant mother and her offspring. Do we know how strong the links are between those immunological diseases and then the future psychiatric problems of offspring?
1: Yeah, the, the modern epidemiology... of course, looks for uh, uh, connections between lifestyle or environmental factors and disease. And the uh, the last 10 years or so, there's been quite good uh, studies done on uh, pregnant women and the outcome, for instance, of schizophrenia in the offspring. And it's been shown that there's um, if a woman is sick uh, during pregnancy, sick enough that she actually goes to see the doctor, and this occurs during a particular time during pregnancy, that the risk for schizophrenia in her offspring is increased some three to sevenfold. So this is a major uh, increase. It's great. This, this association is greater than with any candidate gene for schizophrenia that's been found so far. In fact, um, further studies have been done on blood samples that were archived that were taken from pregnant women during various times in pregnancy, and researchers have gone back and assayed, have tested for, for instance, antibodies against the flu virus in those blood samples and found that um, in women whose blood tested positive for antibodies against the flu virus, uh, their offspring have an increased risk for schizophrenia. Also, uh, cytokines. If certain cytokines are elevated in those blood samples, then there's an increased risk for schizophrenia. So uh, the flu connection is uh, pretty dramatic, but uh, more recent studies have also found a connection with bacterial infections in pregnant women as well as in parasitic infections in pregnant women. So it looks like any kind of infection during uh, gestation, can increase the risk for schizophrenia. <clears throat> also, uh, this has been found uh, last year in a large Danish study in autism. So they looked at something like uh, over 10,000 cases, historical cases of uh, uh, autism, and they looked at the medical records of the uh, mothers of those children and found that the risk for autism was increased if the mother had a uh, severe viral infection during first trimester. So uh, these are just correlations of course, they don't prove uh, causation, but animal studies support this idea. So in animal studies of uh, mice and rats for instance, and now in monkeys, that if a pregnant animal is given an infection, such as a flu infection, a respiratory infection, that the offspring can display symptoms of schizophrenia or uh, autism. For instance, the three cardinal symptoms of autism are displayed by those offspring, as well as some symptoms found in uh, schizophrenia. And some of those symptoms can be um, alleviated by antipsychotic drug treatment in these animals. Uh, There's also neuropathology in these offspring that is characteristic of autism and uh, schizophrenia. So the animal studies show that um, you can do this, you can uh, induce these behaviors and these um, neuropathologies by simply uh, giving uh, the the pregnant animal a respiratory infection, or in fact, you can mimic the respiratory infection effects by uh, simply activating the mother's immune system in the absence of pathogen. So that's sufficient to cause these changes in the offspring.
0: You mentioned autism in that answer, and there's been a growing suspicion in some by some health care advocates that childhood vaccination is a contributing factor in the development of autism. Uh, could you talk about that? Are there valid scientific reasons for this belief?
1: Yeah, well, I think given the immune connections with autism, there are many, many immune connections. Um, <clears throat> people with autism have changes in their immune system, they have uh, post-mortem studies have shown that brains of people with autism have evidence of immune dysregulation, quite severe actually, and samples taken from autistic patients, living autistic patients, samples of cerebral spinal fluid show evidence of immune dysregulation. So. There's a lot of reasons to imagine that vaccination, which, of course, perturbs the immune system, could have an effect on uh, autism outcome in kids, but uh, so far, all the studies that have been done, all the epidemiological studies that have been done have failed to find any connection with childhood vaccination and increased risk for autism in those children. So even though Uh, Autistic symptoms appear during the time period when uh, vaccinations are done, so it looks like there may be a connection, um, especially to parents who take their kids in for vaccination, then it just fails to find any connection. Um, We have to just accept that evidence. Uh, Of course, it's always possible that a, a small fraction of children who are vaccinated Um, that that may tip the balance towards autism. But how small is that fraction? How small is the subset of children? Uh, at this point, uh, the people who have done these studies argue that uh, that subset would have to be very small indeed. And if it's so small, then uh, it really doesn't become a risk factor in the end.
0: So finally, the last chapter of your book talks about both prevention and reversal of mental illness in those who suffer. Uh, What would be the strongest preventative actions that could take place?
1: Well, uh, in terms of maternal infection, there's a lot of common-sense preventive steps that people are well aware of but but generally don't uh, take the trouble to do. Washing one's hands very frequently, we all know that that's a good idea especially after, let's say, uh, going to the grocery store or uh, going to the gas station and so on. That certainly has been shown to uh, uh, lower the probability of infection with things like flu. Uh, Cooking meat well before eating it uh, helps to prevent um, parasites. Similarly, women who are pregnant shouldn't be changing the cat litter because there's evidence that that can uh, increase the probability of infection of a parasite such as toxoplasma. Wearing masks when out in public or riding on planes, avoiding sick people. These are all common sense uh, preventative steps that, again, we're, we're well aware of. Uh, intervention during pregnancy, I mean, uh, there's evidence from animals, animal studies that one can block cytokines and prevent. The uh, ensuing symptoms in the, in the offspring, although uh, intervening during pregnancy is always a, a very difficult uh, question and a certainly difficult clinical studies. Intervention during adolescence has been done in um, animal models. Antipsychotic drugs, for instance, given to animal models, can prevent subsequent symptoms that appear in adulthood. Uh, The difficulty in in schizophrenia is identifying uh, adolescents who will definitely go on to become psychotic. That really isn't possible at the present time. Uh, Also, animal studies have shown in a number of genetic models, such as Rett syndrome, fragile X, tuberous sclerosis, amazingly intervening genetically in those models, or using pharmacological interventions, can actually prevent or ameliorate the behavioral symptoms in those animals, even though uh, the wiring in the brain was presumably altered during development in each of those uh, disorders. So intervening in the adult still had a positive effect in those animal models, which is really amazing and really quite um, (coughs) encouraging. Thinking about, uh, for instance, uh, schizophrenia, where the symptoms, the psychotic symptoms, don't appear until adulthood.
0: Dr. Paul Patterson, the author of Infectious Behavior, Brain Immune Connections and Autism, Schizophrenia and Depression, thanks for being on the MIT Press podcast today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks.
0: For more information about this and other titles, please visit our website at mitpress.mit.edu. You can also find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com mitpress, or you can follow us on Twitter, where we are at MIT Press. Thanks for listening to this episode of the MIT Press Podcast. Copyright 2011, the MIT Press. All rights reserved.